pray before we sit, before we sit down. Let's all pray. And, and as we're praying this morning, as we get our hearts uh, ready to, just to continue to worship uh, God in his word, I just want to apply that song. And I would just ask you really quick, while we're in the spirit of prayer, your eyes closed, and uh, before we sit down, I would just ask you, what is that thing in your life you would love to see God break the chain of? You would love to see God break you free from. And I just want you to see it, and I want you to just to believe this morning. Maybe you've never believed it, but right now, ask God to help you believe there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every anxiety, God, to break every addiction, to break free from past, to break free from uh, things we're looking at online that nobody knows about, things that are going on at school, things that are going on at work and relationships. There is power in the name of Jesus. And God, we just declare that this morning, Father. There is, there is power in his name. And so, God, it's easy to say and, and often hard to live. And Father, I love how you are putting this together right now in light of what we're going to talk about here. So God, I pray that you would just have your way. Show us there is power in the name of Jesus. And help us to believe it. If we used to believe it and we've stopped, help us to believe again. If we've never believed it, help us to believe it for the first time. And if we walked in today and, we, and our, our, our feet are already rooted in that truth, then God causes us to have deeper roots in it. That there is power in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for the gospel we love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. And every follower of Jesus said amen. Let's praise God this morning. Let's praise God. You guys go ahead and grab a seat, man. You guys go ahead and grab a seat. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, man, thank, thank our worship team, man. You guys, man, we're so blessed to have them. Are we not? Amen. And I just love them, man. I just love it. We get that every week and uh, just do not take it for uh for granted well hey we are today today we're in part three of our series called multiply and we are in the book of romans so if you want to go ahead and open up your bible to romans uh we'll be in romans 3 in just a minute so that's a safe place to go ahead and turn is romans 3 so romans 3 is where we're going to be in just a little bit give me a bit and we'll get there but uh book of romans on your phone or you've got one with you go ahead and open up to the book of romans as you're uh, as you're turning there i want to ask you a question i'd love for you to answer by as honestly as you can just by raising your hand how many of you this week talk to yourself this week? Anybody this week, you talk to yourself, all right? There we go. Virtually, that's awesome you guys are this honest. I figured some of you guys try to mask it. That's good. How many of you guys talk to yourself this morning? Raise your hand. Talk to yourself a little bit this morning. That's good. How many of you guys have talked to yourself since you've been in church today? Raise your hand right now. If you've already talked to yourself, had a little conversation, just you, yourself, and I had a good conversation uh, with you. I feel like everybody's hand should have went up. At some point during that, I feel like your hand should have went up because everybody at some point today or this week has talked to themselves. We've talked uh, to ourselves. And, and, and it really, if you're honest, it starts from the moment that you wake up, does it not? I mean, it starts the moment that you wake up, there's this inner dialogue that starts inside of you. And, and uh, track with this for a second. See if you can relate. Uh, your, your alarm clock goes off if you use an alarm or maybe you're just, you know, you wake up at the same time, you're just used to it. But your alarm clock goes off and see if, see if you can relate to this. You're in bed and you are warm and snuggled in. You know that feeling? You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and, and you are just in there, man, and it feels so good, and all of a sudden your alarm goes off, and all of a sudden, as soon as the alarm goes off, the dialogue, the conversation with yourself begins, doesn't it? So your alarm goes off, and you're laying there in bed, and this is what, some, this is what it sounds like for a lot of us. We do this. Oh, no. I hate that alarm clock. Oh, I hate that alarm clock. Oh, I hate the job I got to go to after I turn that alarm off. I hate that job. 
Oh, I hate the car. I got to drive to work this morning. I hate the job that I have in the car. I'm going to drive to that job that I hate. And it just stops. It just never, it never stops after that, does it? It just goes on and on and on. We, we look in the mirror and we have a conversation about what we see in the mirror. We, we drive to work or to school or to wherever and we're having a conversation uh, about, about uh, that day. Maybe something at school. Maybe something at work. We're having a conversation with ourselves about our kids, about our spouse, about friends at school. Something we saw online. There's just this inner dialogue that's going on inside of us. Some of you, it's happening right now, right? I mean, it just never stops. I love what Paul Tripp says. I love that Paul Tripp says this. He says, no one, think about this, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. Nobody is more influential in your life than you are because nobody talks to you more than you do. And here's the thing, and let's just be honest this morning, okay? I'm going to need you to be honest with yourself this morning. Here's the thing, because nobody talks to you more than you, the voice that you hear more than anything seems to be typically the voice of you, that inner dialogue. And here's the thing, the voice that we hear the most is the voice that we believe. Will you agree with that? The voice that we hear the most is the voice that we believe, that inner dialogue, that you talking to yourself, what you say to you about your life, what you say to you about your situation and your circumstances. You and I tend to believe that that voice more than any other voice in our life. We believe that voice more than our parents. We believe that voice more than our boss, more than our grandparents. We believe that voice usually more than our friends. Here's the thing. I need you to be honest with me this morning. We usually tend tend to believe that voice more than the voice of God. So God can say something like this, as he does in Romans, the book that we're in in Multiply today. God can say something like this in Romans chapter eight. You guys know the verse, finish it with me. God works all things together for the what? God works all things together for the good. And we hear that and we can amen that at church, but inside, most of the time, what are we saying to ourselves? Most of the time, we are saying to ourselves, I hate my life. I thought it would be different than it is right now. I thought I was going to go to more places. I thought I was going to experience more things. I hate my life. I thought that it was going to be different than it is. And what happens is what happens is we tend to believe the voice inside over all voices, even the voice of God. And so today, what we are talking about today, I promise you, what we are talking about today in part three of this series is one of the most important things that you and I can learn how to do as followers of Jesus. What we are going to learn and talk about today, it is one of the most important things that you and I can discover and learn and apply to our lives to grow as followers of Jesus, to experience real change in our lives. And so today what we are going to talk about is we are going to talk about and learn how to preach the gospel to ourselves, okay? So the entire book of Romans, which is where we are, the entire book of Romans is about that subject. It is about the gospel. The the entire book of Romans is 16 chapters about the gospel. And and just just as as a tip, when you are reading the Bible, and I love that there's so many of you guys who are doing the Multiply New Testament Challenge, and I'm getting, some of you are, are sending me text messages of you and your family reading the Bible together. I have people coming up to me and saying, Mark, I'm on track, or Mark, I'm trying, or Mark, I've never read the Bible before, and I'm doing it for the first time. And listen, I just want you to know, man, I think that is awesome. I think it's awesome that so many of us are trying to read through the New Testament 
this year. And, and listen, if you're here and you haven't started, uh, what we're doing is we're reading three chapters a day. And if you started on January the 2nd, we'll all finish up on Easter Sunday. Uh, but listen to me for a second. Man, the goal is not to finish the New Testament on Easter Sunday. The goal is to know God and to love him more. Period. And so if it takes you the whole year, who cares, man? The goal isn't to finish on Easter, check the box and say, woohoo, did it. The goal is to know God. All right? And so three chapters a day or a paragraph a day. But the fact that you're in the Word of God is going to make a difference in your life. But hey, listen, if you're trying this and you got behind, hey, you can jump back in today. If you haven't started, you can start today. If, you, uh, if you're on track, man, keep uh, running and gunning. You're doing a great job. But listen, as you're reading the Bible, here's a good question to ask yourself. Everything you read in the Bible, you, at some point you should ask yourself, why did the author write that? Why did the author of this particular book, which is the Apostle Paul, why did Paul write the book of Romans? And as we're in the book of Romans, this is the first of what's called the Pauline Epistles. The Pauline Epistles are 13 letters in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul to churches that he started. See, Paul's practice, and we read it in the book of Acts, Paul's practice was to go into a city, start a church, raise up leaders, help that church get established and on good footing, and then Paul would leave that church, go into another city, and do the same thing. Well, after Paul started a series of churches, Paul started to go back and visit those churches, and he also wrote them letters, and 13 of them are in our New Testament, and this is the very first one, the Pauline epistles, letters from, letters from Paul to churches that he started, and this is the first one, the book of Romans. So Paul is writing to a church that he started in the city of Rome, and he is writing to a group of Christians. Paul is writing to a group of of Christians, and maybe as you're reading Romans, especially Romans chapter 1, the reason that Paul writes this book, it might miss you because it's not one of the more exciting verses in the Bible, but you and I need to understand why did the authors of the Bible write the specific things that God inspired them to? Here's why Paul wrote the book of Romans. He tells us in Romans chapter 1 verse 15, if you got a Bible, look at it, Romans 1 15, just this really quick verse, again, that you might miss on your own, but here it is. Romans 1.15 says this, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Think about that for a second. Here's Paul, he's writing to Christians, and he's just told them, hey, I can't wait to preach the gospel to you. See, Paul had wanted to come and visit this church in some circumstances and kept him from coming to the church at Rome. And so what Paul does is Paul writes this letter, and he says, listen, the reason I'm writing this letter to you Christians is because I want to tell you the gospel. Now, we hear that, a lot of you as followers of Jesus, and maybe you're not, maybe you're brand new to church and the whole Jesus thing, and you've never heard the word gospel. We're going to unpack it in just a second, but maybe you're familiar with church. Think about this. Paul is writing to a group of Christians, and he says, I can't wait to talk to you about the gospel. Why would he do that? Because we usually think, right, that the gospel is something you only need when you become a Christian, don't we? Like the gospel is something you need to get into the door of Christianity. And after you receive the gospel, man, it's time to move on to deeper stuff. It's time to figure out who the Antichrist is and things that really matter, right? It's time to move away from the gospel and get deeper. We say things like this. The gospel is the ABCs of Christianity. It's how you get into Jesus. But after that, you need to move on to deeper stuff. I want you to know that's not true. 
It's not true that the gospel is something that, that, that saves me and then after that I can move away from it. Listen, Summit, you and I, we need the gospel every day. I love what Tim Keller says. Tim Keller's a pastor in New York City and he says this, the gospel isn't the ABCs of Christianity. The gospel is the A to Z of Christianity. I need it to be saved and I need the gospel every single day of my life. And so here's what we're gonna do today. I'm gonna ask three questions. Here's my three questions. Number one, what is the gospel? Second, why should I preach it to myself every day? And number three, how do I do it? All right, so here we go. We got some stuff, we got some work to do. Hopefully you got your app open or you're gonna take notes. Number one, what is the gospel? Romans chapter three, all right? Romans chapter three, and we're gonna read verses 21 through 25. Romans 3, 21 through 25 says this, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. So, so when we think about what is the gospel, if we just want to paint with big, broad strokes this morning, here's what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came, left heaven, came here to earth to save us from sin, death, hell, and a life without God. In a nutshell, big, broad, big, broad strokes, that's the gospel. The gospel is, we saw in verse 23, all of us have sinned, all of us have sinned, right? All of us, black, white, rich, poor, Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, who you know, all have sinned. Sin has, sin has separated us from God. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came to save us. Amen? So the gospel, that's the good news of the gospel. See, here's what I need you to know. The gospel isn't good news because it says try harder. That's not what the gospel says. The gospel is not good news because it looks at you and I and says, do better. Said, I, I, I need you to remember this. The gospel is good news because it is the finished work of another in my place. Write this down. Martin Luther says this. Write this down. It's going to be on the screen, I think. The gospel is outside of me. Can we all say that together? Let's all say this phrase together. The gospel is outside of me. I think one person did it, so now let's all wake up, slap your neighbor and say, wake up, you're at church, all right? Let's all say it out loud together, really loud. Here we go. The gospel is outside of me. See, salvation is not in here. I know that all the Disney princesses tell us to follow our hearts, but have you ever followed your heart and it led you to a bad place? Hello, huh? Somebody. Some of you said amen and looked at the person you got married. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that this happened for you. Counseling is free in this church, okay? Right? I, I know that we live in a culture that says, hey, just do what feels right in the moment. Have you ever done what felt right and then you did it and wished you didn't do it? Salvation is not in here. Say, listen, if you are looking in here to save you, you are looking in the wrong place because salvation is not in here. It is out there in the person of Jesus Christ. The gospel is outside of me. Paul uses this word. It's a big word. And can I just say really quick, church, don't be intimidated by big Bible words. Amen? 
Big Bible, listen, God put every word in the Bible so that you and I could know him, okay? So don't be intimidated by big Bible words. They're there so that we can know God, love God, and have a close walk with him. Paul uses one of those big Bible words in verse 24, justification. What is justification? Say, I don't care about theology. Brother, you need to care about theology because justification is the reason once you give your life to Jesus, you will never lose your salvation, You better love justification. So here's what justification is. Justification means that when you and I give our lives to Jesus, God looks at us because of the finished work of Jesus in our place. God looks at you and says, you are not guilty through Jesus Christ. See, that's good news. Has anybody in here felt guilty recently? Raise your hand. Felt condemned recently, raised your hand. Felt guilty, felt bad, felt like you've blown it and God is ticked off, hates you, and he's walked away from your life. Anybody felt that way recently, right? Here's what justification means. Justification is good news because the moment that you give your life to Jesus, God looks at you and says, the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from every sin, past, present, and future. From this point forward, you are not guilty. You are not guilty before God, church. That's good news. On your best day, you're not guilty. And on your worst day, you're not guilty. Amen? On your best day, you are not guilty. On your worst day, you are not guilty. The reason that you can't lose your salvation, people ask me all the time, Mark, do you believe that you can lose your salvation? No, and the reason you cannot lose your salvation is because once God declares your life not guilty, God never goes back on that declaration. The banner over the life of every follower of Jesus is not guilty. Justified because of the finished work of Jesus. Not guilty. Listen, this has so changed the game for you and I. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this. Look at this. Romans 5 1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith. Hello. Justification means God's declared us what? Not guilty. Since God said we're not guilty, watch this. We have peace with God. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Say it out loud. Say, that's good. Some of you are doing this and you're already blowing it. That's why it's good you came to church. That's why this is a good sermon. I think this is a great sermon, by the way, so far. I'm loving this sermon. But this is why it's good. Some of you have already blown it. You said this, I don't feel like I got peace with God. And you have put your feelings above the gospel. You need to put the gospel above everything. You need to put the gospel and what Jesus did above everything Watch this, because see, Summit, the gospel not only saves us, it defines us. The gospel not only saves us, it defines us. See, the gospel needs to be the lens that I see my life and my circumstances through. Do you understand that? The gospel needs to be the lens that I see my life and see who I am through. I was trying to think about this. This is so huge for the Christian life so we can understand the gospel. And I was trying to think of a way that we could really, that I could really help you understand what it means that the gospel's the lens I need to see my life through, that the gospel saves me and defines me. So, um, so I thought of an illustration that I think will really bless you today. Um, have you ever, you ever been to a movie and got 3D glasses? You know a movie, got some 3D glasses? Raise your hand. Got some, got some, been to a movie, got some 3D glasses? That's awesome. Um, see, see, let me tell you about these. These are not your normal 3D glasses. These are Star Wars The Force Awakens opening night special edition BB-8 3D glasses. 
I know you're jealous. I know you are. It's written all over your faces, right? Don't judge me. And listen, we're not going to talk about the possibility that I might have a complete set of these 3D glasses in my office, okay? So we're not going to talk about that. But, but, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Have you, ever been to a, have you ever been to a 3D movie? Some of you are thinking, is he going to wear these for the rest of the sermon? If you're lucky, I will. Um, have you ever been to a 3D movie? Have you ever been to a 3D movie and thought to yourself, I wonder what the screen looks like without these glasses? I have. I have. Every time I go to a 3D movie, there's at some point when I do this. I wonder what the screen looks like without these glasses. And I take my glasses off. You know what happens at that point? Everything that was in focus and that you could see at that point, as soon as you take the glasses off, the screen becomes really fuzzy and distorted. It messes up what you're supposed to see. See, when I look at my life and who I am and my situation through anything other than the gospel, it's, I, I'm looking at it through a fuzzy lens. It messes up the way that I'm supposed to interpret my life when I don't see my life through the lens of the gospel. So the gospel defines me. What that means is I am not how much money I make. I am not the car that I drive. I'm not my ACT score. I'm not how attractive or how popular or how many followers I have online. I am who God says I am, period, right? And the way I see my situation, listen, the way I see my situation doesn't really tell me the truth of my situation because I need to put on the lens of the gospel, live by faith, and I'm going to believe what God says about my situation over my situation. Do you understand that? See, the gospel saves me and defines me. That's the gospel. God says I'm not guilty and that needs to define my life. Now here's why we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. Number two, why do I need to preach the gospel to myself? And here's exactly why. This is so simple. The reason you need to preach the gospel to yourself is because you are going to preach something to yourself. You are going to preach something to yourself. So here, back to the glasses and I can tell from the looks on your face that you're loving this illustration. Here's how most Christians live their life. Most Christians live their life life this way. Some Christians live their life this way. So it's there, but I'm not looking through it. I'm looking through other stuff. But here's how some Christians live their life. I've got it, but I'm not using it. I've got the gospel, and it saved me. But you know what? I still worry the same way I did before I knew Jesus. Anybody tracking with this? I've got the gospel and I'm saved, but I still get ticked off the same way I got ticked off before I met Jesus. Don't amen that because you don't want to admit it, right? But, but, your, but your husband or wife knows, right? See, a lot of Christians have the gospel. Watch this. Write this down. A lot of Christians have the gospel. It saved them, but it makes no functional difference in their life at all. Let me say that one more time. A lot of Christians have the gospel, but it makes no functional difference in their life whatsoever. So instead of seeing my life and my circumstance through the lens of the gospel, I see my circumstance and my situation, watch this, through the lens of what I tell myself. What if every thought you have is really a sermon? Hello? What if every thought you had is really a sermon? See, I'm going to preach something to myself. What if every thought, that inner dialogue, what if really what you're doing all day long, you are preaching something to yourself? Now, the question is, is what you're preaching to yourself truth or a lie? See, some of you, you preached a sermon to yourself this morning. This is what you said this morning. I don't know why we go to that church. 
That church ain't helped me none. Going to the church ain't changed my life. It's so hard to get everybody up and ready. I mean, this is the one day off we have a week. We could sleep in on Sunday. We play, we play sports all day on Saturday. I don't know why we go to this church at all. It ain't going to help nothing. That's a sermon, isn't it? Some of you, 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 have this, some of you, had, you had this sermon today. I, I, listen, I'm never coming back to this church. Everybody in this church right now, they're all looking at me. They all know what I did. They all saw what I put online. They all, know, they all know what I said. I can't, listen, I don't fit in this church. Everybody in this church has it all together except for me. This is the last day I'm gonna come to this church. I'm not gonna tell anybody that, but I'm never coming back after today. What is that? That's a sermon. You wake up, I hate my life. I hate my job. My boss is an idiot. In fact, I'm surrounded by idiots. I thought my life would be different, but I've devoted my entire existence to a group of idiots. What is that? It's a sermon. It's a funny sermon, but it's a sermon, right? Right? And, and see, see it's, see, it's little wonder why we don't believe what God says when what I say to me is the exact opposite of what God says. So Romans chapter 7, verse 23, if you've got a Bible, go ahead, and, uh, go ahead and turn there. Romans chapter 7, verse 23 says, chapter 7, verse 23 says this. See if you can relate to it. Romans 7, 23 says this. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Did you see that? Followers of Jesus, listen to me. There is a war going on inside of you, and that war primarily takes place in your mind. And the way that you think, this might not be for you, but if it is, I pray that you'd receive it. The reason that some of us in this room right now come to church every Sunday and know the words of every song, and we can answer every single question, but we see little power in our lives. Remember what Morgan just sang about? We see little power to break the chains of things that we've struggled with most of our lives and for years since we've given our lives to Jesus. The reason we come in here and know the routine but see little connection to our daily lives is because we still think the way we've always thought. And the reason we need to preach the gospel to ourselves is because that's the way that we change. The way that we change is to change the way that we think so that I begin to think God's thoughts after God. If you don't believe me, it's in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, it's on the screen. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed how? You say it. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mark, how do you change? It's in the Bible, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We are transformed by the renewal of our minds. See, if I don't preach the gospel of Jesus to me every single day, then I'll preach the gospel of popularity. And I am saved by what people think about me and how popular I am and how many followers I've got online. If I'm not putting in front of me every single day that God is faithful, then I will put in front of me every single day that life should be better than what it is, that God really can't be trusted and he doesn't have his act together. If I do not preach to myself every single day, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, then I will walk out of church every Sunday saying to myself, I can never do that. I will read the Bible every day saying, I can never do that. And I will see what other Christians are doing and how they're following Jesus, and I will say to myself, I could never do that. 
When the Bible says the exact opposite, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So how do you do it? How do you preach the gospel to yourself? Watch this, lean in for a second. Here's how you preach the gospel to yourself. Preaching the gospel to yourself, this is exactly how it happens. The way that you and I preach the gospel to ourselves is instead of just listening to ourselves, we speak the word of God back to ourselves. So instead of just listening to our thoughts, we, the Bible says, take every thought captive and every thought that comes into my life, and it doesn't matter where it comes from, every thought that comes into my life from any place, from any direction, that goes against the word of God, that goes against the will of God, that goes against who I am in Jesus Christ, instead of just listening to that thought and letting that thought eat my lunch all day, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to speak back to that thought, the truth of God. I'm going to speak back to that thought, who I am in Jesus. I'm going to preach the gospel to myself. So, so maybe you're here today, maybe you're here today, and, and the thoughts that you just keep going back to every single day, you just have these condemning thoughts over and over that just rush through your head. Hey, you're not good enough. Hey, you can never, do, you can never get your act together. Hey, you know God doesn't love you. Hey, you know you did this this week and you said you'd never do it again last week and you're not, probably not even going to heaven. You real Christians would never do that. And the thought that's inside of you over and over, that inner dialogue, is just condemnation. Most of us just listen to that, don't we? Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Here's something you can preach back to yourself. Romans 8, 1. There is, say it out loud with me. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? So instead of listening to condemnation, I'm going to preach to myself, wait a second. In Jesus, there is no condemnation. Do you see that? And you preach it to yourself. Watch this. You preach it until you believe it. You preach it until you believe it. If you're here today and you struggle with lust, you're looking at things online that you shouldn't be looking at, and it's destroying your life, it's destroying your marriage, impurity has a place in your life that it does not have, and there's this voice inside of you that says, it makes you feel good to look at that. You can never stop looking at this. Do you really think that you're going to break this? Do you really think that you're going to stop doing that? You need to look at this. You've worked hard all week. Nobody appreciates you. Nothing meets your needs. This meets your needs. You need to look at this. You need to think these kind of thoughts. And you know and God knows it's killing you spiritually. Here's one. Matthew. Look at this next verse. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 says this. Blessed are the pure in heart for they what? They shall see God, and you keep preaching it to yourself and preaching it to yourself until the thing you want to see more than anything else is the beauty of Jesus Christ. Do you see this? You you, you say it to yourself, oh, I would rather see God than that image on on my screen. I would rather see God than entertain that thing that I did that one time years ago. I would rather see God and know God and love God than do that, and you preach it until you believe it. Anxiety, anxiety. Anybody struggle with that? My hand's up, my hand's up, right? Anxiety, here's one, anxiety. First Peter chapter five, verse seven. Casting all your anxiety on him because he what? Here's what anxiety tells you in a nutshell. Baseline, bottom sermon for anxiety says this. Nobody cares for you. It is over. Isn't that what anxiety tells you? It is over. Nobody can help you now. I love that the Bible doesn't say, hey, if anybody ever gets scared, 
I love that the Bible just assumes we're going to have anxiety. Every time it happens, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God, I'm freaking out and I can't handle it, but you can. God, I'm scared to death, but you care for me. God, I don't know what to do, but you know what to do. Casting all of my anxieties on God because God cares for me. And you preach to yourself that God cares for you until you believe it. Maybe there's somebody in the room today and you struggle with bitterness and anger towards somebody. Somebody's hurt you. Somebody's said something to you. Romans chapter 12, look at this verse on the screen. Romans chapter 12, verse 19, watch this. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Isn't it hard to forgive? Man, it's so hard to forgive. You know why? Because you want to get them back. You want to put them in their place, and you want to get the last word, and you want to punch them in their throat at Walmart, right? Is that, oh, just me? Sorry, I got work to do. Sorry, sorry, maybe a little too much. See, when you are, when you are in the prison of bitterness and anger, you got to preach a sermon to yourself because bitterness preaches a sermon to you, and bitterness, the sermon of bitterness says, don't forgive them, hold that grudge, and one day you can get them back. This verse is showing you there's a better sermon. Here's the better sermon. God says this, vengeance is mine, I will repay. God, don't you know what they did? I absolutely know what they did. And if they don't pay in this life, they will pay one day. They need to repent right now. I know exactly what was said. I know exactly what they did. I was right there on the scene. Forgiveness is hard. Bitterness says never forgive. God offers the freedom of forgiveness. How can I experience that freedom? i got to preach to myself, if God forgave me, then I can take the step and forgive when it's hard. Then we got to preach the gospel to ourselves and, and transform the way that we think. Change the way that we think. I love Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says this, then I'm done. Romans 1, 16 says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Look at me. The gospel does not tell us about the power of God. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Man, have you ever looked at God and said, God, I can't do it. You ever done that? God, I can't forgive. God, I can't change. God, I can't stop worrying about this. God, I can't stop thinking about this. God, I can't stop going here. God, I can't do this. Can I tell you something? You are right. You have never been more right in your life in that moment. Because Christianity is not willpower. Christianity is the power of another available for you. How can I access that power? I can access that power by renewing my mind and preaching the gospel to myself every single day until I believe it. And I believe it in the place of every lie that anxiety tells me. And I believe it in the place of every lie that fear tells me. And I believe it in the place of every lie that insecurity tells me. Let me ask you one question, and I promise I'm done. Where have you been been believing a lie, and you need to replace it with the truth of God? Where in your life have you been believing a lie? You've just been preaching a bad sermon to yourself over and over. And God is coming to you with the power of the gospel and says, no, I've got a better way and I've got a better sermon. And we're going to preach it until it takes the place of that lie. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I want us to think about that. I want us to think about that for just a moment. Where have you been believing a lie? 
Maybe the lie is that more money will make me happy. Maybe the lie is that if I could go out with her, if I could go out with him, if I could have that relationship, then I'll be satisfied. Maybe the lie is that, you know what, I can't stop doing this. Yeah, I know, I know what God says, but it's not hurting anybody else. What, where have you been believing a lie? I want to challenge us today to declare war against that lie. I believe that there is power in the name of Jesus. Power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. But let's be honest. There are places in our lives where we really need to believe that more. And so today, here's what we're doing today. Today, we are declaring war against every lie in our lives that has taken the place of the gospel. And beginning today, in the power of Jesus, we're going to begin to replace lies with gospel truth. We're going to begin to take every thought captive. We're going to begin the work of renewing our minds and believing God, believing the gospel, and doing it over and over and over and over and over until we believe it in places we have never believed it before. Father, right now, right now, in the power of Jesus, would you help us to see places, areas, locations in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives where we have started to believe a lie. I pray for every follower of Jesus in the room right now who's saved. They've got the gospel, but maybe they haven't been using it. Help us to begin to use it by preaching it to ourselves. I pray for every person in the room right now who has believed the lie of the, uh, the, that maybe culture or somebody else has told them that there's salvation somewhere else in, other than Jesus. That this kind of relationship or something else will save Jesus, the only thing that saves, the only thing that satisfies the hungry heart. It's you. God, help us to declare war against every lie and take up the gospel like we've never done it before. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, let me just ask you today that simple question. If you're here today and you say, Mark, I've been believing a lie for so long, but I want to declare war against that lie, and I want to believe the gospel in its place. Would you raise your hand right now? Raise your hand right now if that's you. Mark, I've been believing. Who knows? I'm not going to ask you what that lie is. It's between you and God, but Mark, I've been believing a lie, and it's been holding me back, and I'm declaring war against that lie and in the name of Jesus, I want freedom in the gospel over that lie. Hands are up. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand high. Don't, not halfway, high. I am declaring war today against that insecurity, against that fear. Hands are up all over this room. Praise God. Hands are up all over this room. God, for every hand up and maybe hands that are not up, God, in the name of Jesus, we are asking for power power to break free, power to believe that the gospel would change us. And maybe you're here today and you have never given your life to Jesus and I want to give you an opportunity to do it right now. Listen, there is power in the name of Jesus to save every person in this room who comes to Jesus. And you don't have to clean off first or anything. You can just come as you are. 
If today you want to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then right now I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me. And these are not magic words, but this is you expressing to God what's in your heart and saying to God that you want Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. And starting today, you want to live for Him. If you want to be saved today, pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Save me. Forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and make all things new. Help me to follow you today from this moment forward. Be my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. No one is looking around. If you just, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed that prayer, you just made the biggest and best decision of your life. And I want to challenge you to, to indicate that just by raising your hand. So if you just prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand right now? Today, Mark, I gave my life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. I got saved today. Raise your hand right now just to let me know. So I can pray for you, just encourage you. Just raise your hand high today. Today I receive Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for every life today surrendered to you. Father, thank you that the gospel doesn't simply save us at the beginning and then it's for us to figure out. We need the gospel every day. So God, we surrender to it. We thank you that the gospel is the truest thing in our lives and we love it. We celebrate that in Christ we are not guilty. We are free people. And we want that reality to transform how we live every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, let's thank God for the gospel. Let's thank God for what he's done for us through Christ. Now here's what we're going to do. Right now our ushers are going to come and they're going to get in place and we're going to receive our offering. And, and during this time, I would invite you to take your connection card that Hannah and Taylor talked about earlier. Take that connection card and in just a minute when the offering basket comes around, Drop your cards into the basket, okay? Drop your card into the basket and let us know anything that God did in your life today. Decisions that were made, how we can pray for you. Let us know what God did in your life today, all right? Don't sit on the sidelines. Let us know, all right? Hey, before we receive our offering, I want to say something to you. You know, uh, right now, every week, every week we give people the opportunity to give to several things. And one of the things that you give to every uh, week is what we call the Impact Vision Initiative. And the Impact Vision Initiative is simply the effort to uh, build, uh, renovate our own permanent facility. And that is happening right now over in the Christopher area, right next to our student ministry building. Our building right now um, is, is under construction. You can see the plans for it out there in the lobby. Uh, but uh, I believe next week, hopefully, we'll have some pictures that are available ready to show you. But I am excited because that building is completely wrapped on the outside. The new siding, the new roof is finally finished, so we celebrate that. And uh, it's, it looks great. And, um, but listen, 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 listen. Um, people ask all the time, Mark, what, Mark, when do you think we can get in that building? And, you know, there's, I wish that I could stand up here and give you a date, but here's what I know. I know that your generosity is what's making that possible. What you give every week to the Impact Vision Initiative, you give every week, it makes everything possible. But when you give to Impact, when you specifically give to Impact, you are making our future home a reality. So I just wanted to thank you for that here today. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for the offering, and Dana's going to come really quick and talk about one thing while we receive our offering. All right, let's pray. Jesus, I pray right now that you would bless every person that gives today. God, thank you for people who give here, whether they give here online. God, thank you for the gift, and God, use it to make a radical difference here and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Dana's going to come, and I want you to give Dana your full attention while we're receiving our offering.
morning, you guys. Um, while everybody is taking up the offering and everything, I just wanted to remind you guys that this Wednesday, we are having our first encounter night of the year. And so if you've been to an encounter night before, this year is going to be a little bit different. And we are trying to do things that is going to help us grow in our faith and in our walk. And so we are going to um, to learn how to develop and to build and to, to keep our passion um, for Jesus. And so uh, please make plans to join us this Wednesday night. It's a potluck dinner. So bring your favorite dish and uh, join us back in the multi-purpose room at 630. And then we will eat and we will come out here and... Uh, and we will see that, what we can learn to, uh, to help us in our walk. But I'd like to pray again, if we can, before everybody leaves. Lord, thank you uh, for bringing us all here together today. Um, just help us as we go on our walk with you this week, Lord, and, and help us to remind us that, uh, that you are with us and take all that negativity out of our head and replace it, replace it with the gospel, Lord, and, uh, and help us to preach the gospel to ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The band's going to play for us, and you guys are dismissed.